So here we are. Cheers. That was good. That was good. Very good. This is Don't Think Twice. An unfiltered podcast where we trust our instincts and learn that life is only as good as the company you keep. Okay, I want to know what you're reading right now. Uh, what I'm reading right now? Yeah, this minute. This minute. I'm reading um, a, young, a young adult novel. Oh. And I never read Oh, you're right in my wheelhouse yeah, I, right now. I never oh, do it. Oh, this is it. so exciting. I never do it. And, um, and in truth, I didn't know that I was until I was like a couple chapters in. And I was like, this writing is a little fine. And then I... And then Sounds I, like you're reading a bad young adult novel. No, it's good. Okay. Um, it just, you know, it wasn't... Um, just wasn't at your usual level. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I looked at, because I, 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 sidebar, I check out all of my Kindle books through the public library. I think you can do this at most public libraries in the country. So anyone out there, if you buy, oh, I love buying your, your, your books from Amazon for your Kindle, stop immediately. Log into your local public library website and go to their ebook section and you can check this shit out for free. And the trick is you can you can check up to probably 15 books or so. And so what I do is I check out 15 books that I want. And then turn and then your I Kindle turn, to offline mode. I turn everything on airplane mode because if you don't, after two weeks, the book will disappear off your device. So... Check out 15 books, turn on airplane mode, and you can take as long as you want to to finish I'm familiar with the strategy. So, just that's a, that's a tip. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to spend so much money. Anyway, I went back on, it's called, um, I went back on the website and saw that it was a young adult novel that I was reading. So it's what's it called? called um, I believe it's called Crash and Burn. Burn Baby Burn. Burn Baby Burn. Oh, I've read this one. It's about, it's about when, in the 70s, New York in the 70s. In the summer of Sam, yeah. Is it yeah. good? Um... I thought it was okay. I thought it was just okay. Okay, so honestly. my initial read of the first chapter yeah. was correct. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth reading because it, it's it's definitely a good summer read. Mm-hmm. And I'm so pleased, actually, that your summer read is a light read about New York in the 70s because this is, like, exactly the train that I'm on right now. Really? Well, I did just finish... I always have at least two or three books going concurrently, but I did just finish The Goldfinch, which was the book right. that everyone was reading on the subway, like, three years ago three years ago <laughs> but I finally got to it I, I um, it was loaned to me by a friend and um, so it was a very loose book book club of sorts in that he took like probably eight months to read it and then he gave it to me and I took like you know four <laughs> months or so to read it um, but I just finished it yesterday and I couldn't put it down at the end and loved it but everything else that I'm reading right now is very much on trend with the New York in the in of a certain era theme um, so I'm reading a book right now called Talk uh, that was... Fiction? It, it is... It's not quite fiction. It's not quite nonfiction. It is um, considered sort of a precursor to reality TV. Um, it was... Okay. It's like a reality TV of books where this woman um, in nineteen the summer of 1965... Wait, what was it called? Talk. Talk. Um, she brought a one of those big, you know, because they didn't have like a handheld tape recorder in 1965. It was kind of a reel-to-reel type of situation. Lugged it all the way out to her beach house, which was in the Hamptons somewhere or, or someplace. 
um, and recorded everything that happened in the beach house and at the beach all summer long with her friends coming in and out of the house. And then she took up a year to transcribe it and then she took a year to edit it down to uh, sort of coherent uh, vignettes and plot. Um, and she also condensed it so that it's only really three characters. Um, Do you know how she did this? Did she manipulate the conversations? Or she just got rid of things that weren't... She just got rid of things, so she pruned... I, I don't know exactly how she did it, but it's essentially, uh, ostensibly, everything that appears in it is all like verbatim as it was recorded. Okay. And it all takes place as dialogue. So it, it has three characters, Emily, Vincent, Marsha, and that's all it is. So you don't get any description or anything. You just have Emily, Vincent, Mar like almost like a play. Um, and it is such a beach read. Is it readable? It is, and it's such a it's such a trashy beach read, um, because mainly it caused a huge scandal in New York of the '60s. It was published in '68, and she was like splashed on the cover of everything, and everyone in New York was reading it, and everyone was talking <laughs> about it, and everyone was scandalized by it because it was, um, you know, they are very, you know, they're they're I think they're supposed to be in their late twenties, early thirties, and um, you know they're talking all about their sexual exploits, and uh, there's they're very open about it and they were like oh yeah no I didn't have sex with him I was recovering from my first abortion you know and that was just like a line that's reeled off and then they just like go past Keep it going, yeah. so that's like really pretty scandalous stuff for 68 or right. for now for that matter um, also the out of the three main people um, two of them are straight women and one of them is a gay man so they're kind of talking about having sex with all kinds of different people and um, you know they're pretty I guess like wild <laughs> and they, you know, they get into some S and M stuff, Ooh. and they, yeah, it's it's. How far are you into um, it? Not too far. I, uh, I'm about fifty pages in, and it's like, it's very much a product of its time. And some of the shit they say is so like racist, and like, or like not, not in line with what we would say now. Yeah. Um, but I think if you can kind of take a step and back and sort of take it for being that this was sort of these like bougie 30 year olds of, of, of that era yeah. and, you know, and, and like to just take it as a being a little bit of a slice of reality. Uh, it's very, very, very enjoyable. Very, very like perfect beach read material. Um, just scandalous enough. Yeah. Not hard to follow. Not, not hard to follow. And it's like, in sort of in vignettes. Yeah. So like the one chapter I just re finished was, um, Emily tells about her psychotropic experience where she took LSD and what she thought about how it made her think about the world and they were and the other two have never taken any anything like that and they were trying to get her to describe it and then that was the chapter right um, and then it moves on so it's sort of just like little flashes in and out of their of their conversation um, the other book that I just started and that I absolutely love is also very much on the New York of mm -hmm. an era and that's it's called Dancer from the Dance. Did you check it out from the library? No, I bought. I actually bought both okay. of these because that one's hard to get from the library. I mean, I've tried a couple times. Yeah, I bought them both. I bought both of these books. Um, I think for me, a kind of crucial element of a beach read is the is having it in paper. Oh, really? And I'm I'm totally on board with. Well, you Kindle don't have books. a Kindle. I don't have a Kindle. I have a Kindle app on my iPad, which is so impossible to read on the beach. It's impossible to read. Exactly, it's impossible yeah. to read on the beach. The the whatever the screen 
yeah. brightness, whatever. I don't know what the terms are for it, but um, I have to have like a physical physical book. And I also like get irritated with like having things that I need to remember to charge. You know yeah. that I have a perpetual problem with charging any de- you do. any like yeah, you're very bad at it. Yeah, Your nothing. Phone is always my Bluetooth speaker dying. is always dying. My phone is always dying. My computer is always on its last legs. Like I just can't like get it together. So <laughs> it's really nice to have to not like all I have to do is remember to bring the damn book with me, and I'm yeah. fine. Um. And I just like it. I like getting, you know, using my train tickets as my, my bookmarks. bookmarks and having, like, ice cream do on the you, pages and stuff. I, I think I know the answer to this, but do you ever fold down the corners of books? I do. I think you should be fine. I'm a monster. I know I'm a monster. And I think you should feel bad about yourself. I know. You know what the weird thing is, though, is that I'm someone who never writes in books because I, I think... They're sacred. They're sacred. But yet, you but yet I fold down the corners, and it, it was something that um, I think I think it was something that that someone in my family I can't remember it was either my sister or my mom used to chastise me about this quite a lot. Oh, the other thing that I used to do is is um, this. I don't know how to describe it verbally. Oh, so you would lay it down so the spine is like the spine is up. So to keep my page, it's I would like just one flip of those like over. if you pick up a paperback that someone's done that to it, like immediately it opens just up folds to this. Yeah, like, certain, yeah, and like, that's page. really annoying, very annoying. And I, I, you I break, broke myself. Break of that. the spine or something. You break the spine, yeah. And I, I, I uh, kicked that habit, but I, that's what I used to do a lot. So, my grandfather is, you know, he's a big voracious reader. He's in his late eighties, and he, when I, I mean, he, all the grandchildren knew that you were not to. Write in a book, fold a corner down, break a spine. It was, you know. So now, it just. I very rarely fold a corner anymore. I've gotten more into bookmarks, and I like using. And I, you know, actually, when I was reading The Goldfinch, and this was my friend's copy of the book, he has used a lot of different items as a book as bookmarks. So I used his Metro card. I kept the same Metro card that he he had been using. Um, he has like a mailer from a school that his friend teaches at <laughs> that's in the front cover. Um, he has a bank statement actually, a Chase like receipt that he was using. Um, and I really enjoyed actually when I would get to a page and something would fall out. Yeah. And it felt like it felt like I was reading it with him. Well, and my grandfather has a whole. He, uh, there's a whole library in their house, and they used to have a library. And as a kid, and even as a young adult, pick out a book and open it up and. A receipt from like 1975 yeah. would fall yeah, out. Yeah, or like a postcard or something. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I've I've gotten much more into to using bookmarks now. Okay, so you so you have a couple couple summer books, but Dancer from the Dance really quickly. Yes, that you you tried to get that book from the library. Yeah, it's so, like a seminal gay book from the what 70s? Late 70s. Late 70s. Um, it's set in the late 70s. I don't know if it was written. I think it was in the same same time. Yeah, because um, I know it was just sort of on the cusp of. Um, the AIDS, AIDS epidemic, epidemic. Um, and it's sort of in these in the sort of it almost has like a fall of Rome quality to it because it's like the the level of hedonism and right. um, you know that sort of thing has sort of gotten it's to, to this fever pitch and so even if it wasn't written in that tenor we read it in the mm-hmm. future retroactively. as retroactively as being like prophetic yeah just kind of really well something really sad about about that about like that sort of like self-immolation almost mm-hmm. um quality but um i'm loving it so far love love loving it. i mean I, I i read about a dozen pages and there were like a million quotable things that had already happened i think it's a little bit again of the same thing where there's certain things that they say where you're like <sighs> for a 2017 sensibility yeah, yeah but of course it's 1978 so um but i'm very very interested in any and all books that are either 
excuse me, written in that era or about that era of New York. I've heard that there's a, there was a, a, a semi-recent book a couple years ago. I think it was called City on Fire that came out that was like written about that era. But it's somebody who's writ- who's like a very young person who didn't li- live through that. Yeah. But it's supposed to be very good. So I, I basically want to like know any Lived and all that books that have, while. yeah, that are about New York of that time and read them all. So if you come across any other that others, those are... yeah. That was a, I think that was a pretty fruitful time for some some real art drama New York-centric life. novels, and then I think in the '90s it kind of fell off a little bit. The '70s and '80s are great though. Mm-hmm. I'm also reading another. I've been reading this for months, but um, not Robert Maplethorpe, but his partner. Yes. Um, I've been reading the book so much, and now it's like the name is uh, Sam me. something. Sam Wagstaff. Sam Wagstaff, yeah. His, like a bio on Sam Wagstaff, which is like exhaustive in a way that's like not that fun. I think biographies can sometimes get that way because you, as the author, you have to get so invested in your yes. subject that it ends up just being like really it's like, like every you're art jacking show them off attended. for like 700 pages. Yeah, every, <laughs> every auction he attended, like every photograph he purchased that ended up selling for, you know, 100 times the amount 20 years later, blah, blah. It's a good read, but only if you're like very interested in that. Well, I think you you picked this up right after after we had both read just kids, Patty Smith's book. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that what inspired you to to get to pick up that yeah. book? Yeah, and it's just a slow read. So I I read a lot of other things on the side, and then I'll go back to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a slow read, like that that um, Robert Moses book that's very long. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like exhaustive, but very good. So you know, um, you know that the Uber CEO is no longer the Uber, Uber the CB. That's hard to say. Uber CEO. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Uber CEO is no longer the CEO because he's an asshole. It seems. Ah, uh, this is what this is what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, rewind a few months ago when we were all and I, I, people still boycott Uber. Because of the travel ban and mm-hmm, Uber still mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. and they there was they basically essentially um, sort of broke the picket line by right. undercutting their prices. Right. And- so everyone's like, "Don't take Uber." Well, this is what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you to take Uber, and this is why. Oh boy! I'm going to tell Hot you to take. choose Uber over everything else, with a caveat. Uber is like the most. Uh, venture backed the most valued venture backed thing whatever they whatever the Company. words insert the mm-hmm. Silicon Valley words here right. um, worth billions of dollars so they say I put that in quotes because what does that even what mean? does that even mean because they actually haven't made a profit ever hmm. they've never made a profit so even operating just at regular prices they don't make a profit well Every now and again, and it's pretty regular now that I get a notification on my phone because I still have Uber that says, like, you get uh, 40% off for the next 10 rides or you get 50% off for the next 10 rides. So in my estimation, the quickest way to get Uber, if you're really invested in going out of business or disappearing. Run them into the ground by getting sales. Whenever you get a discount code, (laughs) I want you to use that motherfucker as much as you can for every ride. And... This is what I'm going to say. Because the, the drivers are getting paid. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to tip your driver, which you should if you want to, just do it in cash. 
Just do it in cash. Ah, so, okay. So the hot take here cash, is use the sale fares, tip in cash. Yes. And then in a couple years time, we will not have Uber anymore. Wow. This is like a real long game. Yeah. This is a revenge plot that's worthy of me. Yeah, I want all of us to use it. All of us take advantage of that goddamn 40%, 50% Well, I have to off. confess that I don't have Uber on my phone, not because I took a strong moral stand to what occurred after the travel ban, although I, I do, I just didn't, I already didn't have it right. because I couldn't figure out how to install it on my phone. It was too co- confusing. Yeah, your phone is also a piece of no, shit. No, 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 It wasn't even on this phone. It was like on the previous, like I, ever since I like tried <laughs> to get Uber, I keep yeah, trying to do it. you've always had a shitty phone. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but I couldn't figure out how to do it. And it was like, we need to send you a text message. And my phone would be like, I don't accept commercial texts. And then I'm like, I don't know how to disinstall that. And then I had to call the company. Like, I'd try to call my phone provider and then provide a PIN that I don't, don't know. know. Um, and uh, and so then I just finally gave up. And I was like, well, Lyft didn't ask me for any of those yeah. things. No, this so happens I'm when I go to Verizon. Gonna... When I go to Verizon, they're like, what's your... What's your pen? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. What's your password? Because I'm on a family plan. I don't know. What's uh, what's the security? Uh, what's social, the, uh, security social security co- number? I don't freaking know. I'm like, are you? Are we going to do this again? <laughs> so then I have to conference call my brother and my mom, and we all have to just like swap secu- S- like social security every, numbers. Social security numbers, security, social security codes, numbers even on there. Addresses, first like mascots to your high school, <laughs> like city where you were born, like make and model your first car. It's like you know. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. But I, I feel I actually have been gotten really I get really indignant about all those security questions because I feel like they get they're getting like increasingly more and more private. They'll be yeah. like so they'll be like make them all of your first car, your your school mascot. I was recently asked the name of your first kiss. I was like I don't know that. Um excuse you. Look, I I've uh registered for things that don't require any sort of credit card any real personal information other than an email address. And it will be like, um, your password needs to be like 16 characters long and it needs to include like blah, 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 blah. Special characters, <laughs> capitals, numbers, right. exclamation points, <laughs> lowercase, uppercase. Oh my God, it's so it's so annoying. Um, but all of this is to say... Let's put Uber out of business. Let's put Uber out of business. Um, this is neither here nor there, I guess. But um, I listen to a lot of music podcasts, mm-hmm. and um, so we've been talking a lot about our creative direction and wanting to uh, prioritize writing music and writing songs and stuff. And there was a it just so happened that I was listening to this episode of a of a radio show that I really like, um, Sound Opinions from Chicago, and uh, it's about like the art of writing hit songs. Okay, because I watched a YouTube video about this last night. Continue. Oh my god, it's so weird how like... I was listening to this yesterday. This was specifically about Taylor Swift, but... Yeah, well, I mean, Taylor Swift, of course, came up in passing in this conversation as well. It was two different... So this is what I thought was really interesting. They did an interview with two different, um, like, eras of pop music. Mm -hmm. Songwriters from two different eras. So the first one, I, I, I wish I could remember their names. It was a husband and wife duo who wrote um, a bunch of stuff together. And they were sort of in the, um, I guess they w- they they were contemporaneous to Carole King. Right. So they were like 60s. So their their biggest, I think probably their biggest song was um, You've Lost That Love and Feeling. But they wrote a bunch, like Downtown. Um, no, 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 not Downtown. Um, 
on Broadway. I say the neon lights mm-hmm. are bright on, on Broadway. Yeah. Um, anyway, they have a ton of songs, this, this duo. Um, husband and wife duo and they they sort of start they met at the Brill building where you know a sort of songwriting mm-hmm. factory famous. in New York very yeah. famous um, and it's so interesting the way they talk about songwriting in that era because they all have cubicles it was like mm-hmm. a farm and they had you know, everybody had their own desk and then someone would come in and say like we're writing for the drifters and then everybody would be, scurry off to their cubicles and then everyone would like write a, write a thing for the drifters right. and um, sort of be in competition to like Get the, be the get song, the be that, the yeah. What's yeah. chosen? Yeah, um, and so they met there. She was she was uh, partnered like as a writing partner with a, another guy, and then she saw this guy and was like, "What a babe! He's so hot. I want to I want to work with him, I and I want to do other mm-hmm. things with him." And they were very they they, they kind of said it that way yeah. on the podcast. Too. Anyway, so um, but the second half of the interview, they were talking with a, a person who's a modern songwriter who's in the band One Republic, mm-hmm. and he also writes. Um, he's written Taylor Swift hits. He's written Beyonce songs and stuff. And sort of the, there are different. So there, there was a lot of sort of unspoken contrast between those two interviews, and I, they just kind of left it. They didn't dissect the differences that much, but it was really. I mean, there was something that was like a little bit sad about it because, like, the the husband and wife duo, and they're talking about how carefully crafted their lyricism is. She's like a lyrics freak, and she actually doesn't like whoa whoa woes and stuff, even though they re- they wrote a mm-hmm. bunch of songs. She's she she said the righteous that righteous brother song. She's like, mm, well, it's not going to be like a smash because it, ha- it you know no song with like a whoa whoa woe is ever going to be like an important song. And she was like, "Oh, I was wrong about that." You're wrong, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so she, you know, she's really, and she's like, you know, I think is the laziest thing ever is when lyrics are repeated yes, in verses. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, this has so been my. So she wants like... everything to be different and varied and add to the narrative of a song and whatever. So it's so interesting hearing about that. And then, and then we hear from the this one Republic guy who, you know, who like I think a lot of the songs that they were saying that he'd written were were, ter- were not. Personally, I think are terrible, terrible. <laughs> are terrible songs. But um, you know, we're all pretty, you know, huge smash hits, and you know that can't be denied. That like obviously that was a huge, you know, he's done a lot. Um, but he even said sort of outright like, um, you know, there used to be sort of this, uh, you know, I, or there may there may have been at one point a, um, an attention to sort of a classical um, songwriting, meaning like that. How, what's the longevity of your songs going to be? Mm-hmm. And now, nobody really cares about that. He's like, every single one of my peers, and he's like, I don't care about that either. You want the next new thing. You want the next new thing at any cost. Um, so basically, he didn't say, I'm summarizing what he's saying. He's basically saying that the um, if you want to be successful as a songwriter now, you have to focus on disposable songs. Really? Yeah. In a, um, in a sense of lucrative songwriting. And I mean, I don't know. I just wanted to float that to you and see what your thoughts well, were. Well, it's interesting because the video that I was watching last night on YouTube about Taylor Swift, and I wish I could like remember the guy. It's a, it's a guy who's made produce a lot of videos around different um, different artists and their songwriting, all contemporary, currently on the charts, top forty. Uh, but he starts with Taylor Swift, and he's very nice about because he really li- he likes her songwriting, but. He then and not but he then dissects it and um, and then in a way compares it to other top forty hits and kind of zooms out to talk more about just like the the musical just culture at large and one of the techniques that that 
Taylor Swift uses in every single song on the 1989 soundtrack. I mean, soundtrack. Uh, album. Album. <laughs> every single song has um, a, a melody that doesn't, the note doesn't move. So it's on, on a one note melody. Mm-hmm. So da 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 thing on Which every I, I like, it is either to, i always call it like a, a dial tone or a busy signal yeah. <laughs> she does that on every single track mm-hmm. um the weekend does that a lot mm-hmm. katie perry does that a lot if you and if you forgive for like one move so like da 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 or mm-hmm. da 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 almost every pop song right now and this is not true of um it's interesting he goes into it and says in the 70s and 80s there were a lot of um, pop songs that were uh well isn't that a function of sorry isn't that a function of just like vocalists who are not really vocalists who are not singers i think it could be a function of that uh i think i think it also has to do something with the culture at large about uh like aesthetically and you and i've been working kind of a design conference this week and mm-hmm. i worked at a um a web design agency um that is doing you know the biggest accounts oh my gosh that you can i imagine. know exactly what you're getting at minimalism it is this minimalism there's a lot of space and design there's just like well but i don't words think there's that with much a lot of space. negative space i don't think there's that much space in pop music though like i do like when there's space and like for instance like we went to go see the xx recently mm-hmm. um and i think something that made their first album really 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 special that is sort of missing from their um current one which i guess is their third is that space that they had on the first one where like it's very spare and there's a lot of silence and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of empty space uh, in the track um which you know i think speaks uh, i don't know i i'm I'm buying your argument but i'm just saying that like the there's definitely a melodic minimalism but Mm -hmm. the production value is so busy that in a way though the production value is busy in that there's a lot of reverb there's a lot of sense of like scale like if you listen to it through headphones it feels some of the some of it feels big but there there's actually not a, a lot of orchestration you don't hear orchestration you don't hear like brass you don't usually like if you hear a taylor swift song all of the th- all of the instruments that you hear are necessary mm-hmm. the keyboards are necessary to carry a certain part of the chord obviously the drums whatever right, blah right. blah blah so mm-hmm. there's actually not a lot of filler mm-hmm. yeah um, it's not like wall of sound type right of production. right so uh so the video was interesting and he made very good points about if you're writing pop songs it's crucial that you understand the zeitgeist or you understand like what's what's going happening on right what's happening mm-hmm. and when and those artists who hit number one and then fade away are those that don't understand what their strengths were and just didn't repeat other people like taylor swift either understand or just accidentally or just I think she's probably pretty savvy and, and understood mm-hmm. and she has a team that maybe understood and just does the thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry just does the thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, this was really, I think that's a, probably a more optimistic take than, than uh, <laughs> this idea that like, it's all kind of, we're in a period of disposable music and he made a, a, um, a where does that, but why, why does he, well, he was saying that it's sort of, he's, he's like in retrospect, like what songs are going to survive or be remembered as being really, um, the important songs or, you know, I mean, not, I'm not saying that there's any inherent value in, in people like remembering, know, remembering. I, I, I don't have an opinion about that, honestly, because I think, 
I don't know, that gets into some really deep philosophical questions, yeah. but like... Is he saying that we're far enough into pop music that we can no, now No, 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 no. Like, he's just saying it's sort of, it's phases of what's what's in. Um, like, in the, he, he was comparing it to sort of the latter days of disco, so after it sort of um, got co-opted. So after disco came out of the the gay clubs and mm-hmm. the black clubs and, and sort of got mainstreamed and cheesified... Um, which is a whole very interesting topic mm-hmm. that I yeah oh I love this I love this topic but once it sort of crossed that that barrier and you were getting you know these crazy tracks like you know like disco duck mm-hmm. which is actually a real track um, these stupid cheesy things uh, commercial tracks that like you know there's a few things from that era that have survived mm-hmm. like like I will survive yeah. <laughs> for instance or like you know Diana that, Ross I mean there are like some yeah that you know that are this sort of fill, fall into that category of the sort of post um pop oh. disco oh, like once it beca- yeah. like once it hit the mainstream yeah like we we do still remember some of those songs but this i would say the vast majority have kind of been lost to the mm-hmm. you know, time lost ether, the, I mean, whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> for good for better or worse and he's saying that he feels that even as a, a songwriter who's writing in this current climate that he feels that we're kind of in that moment right now too that there'll be like a couple that are sort of stand the test of time and most of them are gonna sort of be lost in the ether so I don't know how, if, how much I agree with that. I just thought it was an interesting. Point. So what's going to be next? Well, that's a great question. I don't so know. I was thinking. So um, this album came out a few years ago, but I uh, and I only think about it because I was thinking about it today in light of the video that I watched yesterday about Taylor Swift and everyone these songwriters, and it is um, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's last album. Was it the B sides one? And the B sides one. You could take them together. The so B sides one. The, emotion was the was the album, and then there was like a there was a B sides. Right. <laughs> Which so, I love the idea of B sides in a world where we don't actually there is have no a B-side. physical B side. Um, but those together, the emotions and the the B side, um, that's like a few years old. But it came on my Spotify this morning, and I was like, why why wasn't this a bigger hit? And thinking about the rule, the rules, and I put those in quotes. Um, Oh, the melody has a lot the, more range. The like melody, it goes all over the place. There's real melody and it mm-hmm. moves around a lot. And I was like, I wonder if this was just just not in the right time because all of the song, I think all the songs are great, mm-hmm. and I think she does great. And I think, I mean, they're produced, they're written by some really blood orange, mm-hmm, and some really good people. songwriters. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if it's just like a, a melody that, for another time or something. That's so funny. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm here for that. I'll buy that. Although I, I'm, I would love to like return to this and think of some counterexamples because I'm sure that there are some like melodically crazy things that are on the radio right now. Well, I was thinking about Sia. Oh, she, her melodies are are big. Yeah, she um, kind of. And there's there's a spareness to the production though. On the other other hand, so right. Know. See, that's the thing that 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 a lot of them have this like spare. I don't, I don't have the right language, but like reverb, kind of heavy, sort mm-hmm. of like sparse. Well, hers have a really epic atmospheric because yeah, there's a lot of vocal reverb, and um, you know, sort of these like big grandstand type of moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's going to be next because. Uh, well, maybe I hope it's a I hope it's a greater return to melody, but this is two singers talking. So. Yes. <laughs> it's just like because you've said this before that like lord what's that lord song that's out right now oh god i hate that song green light okay so that it's song a, is whatever complete... the song is whatever but when i hear that song i think how 
bored must Lord get? That's exactly what singing I was that say. every night. You you've said that about a bunch of different singers, and I think the one that I always think about is Jason Derulo. When you're like, man, he must be so bored. He has to sing these like really boring songs, like every night, and he's not a bad singer. Like. Yeah. Isn't it fun as a singer to like sing a song that like gives you a little more to do than just kind of the dial tone? And those songs that have like repeating lyrics? Repeating lyrics. You have to sing that like every night on tour? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, yeah, lyric variety, melody variety. (laughs) That's what I hope. Let's bring it back, back people. Let's bring it back. trends let's talk about some summer trends um i think this kind of comes from less from like for, for me not so much an interest in fashion because i don't really have an interest in fashion yeah, no. but um just an interest in people watching yes and being in new york like oftentimes like the best thing is to just like sit in the park and watch people walk by or like whatever sit in a crowded place and just sit around anywhere and, the subway yeah yeah and there's like a lot that's happening. I feel like it's a, a lot of really unflattering and sad things that are happening this summer to people this summer. You know, I think in truth, not to call you out, but you say this every year. I know. And then I succumb to the trend slowly. It's just because I'm a basic bitch that can't no, get on no, the cutting edge. No, that's not true. You don't always succumb to the trend. Uh-huh. Just, just the more comfortable trends you gravitate towards. So, printed pants, you were never on board. I'm still not really on board. I know. So, that's one that you never succumbed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you were really skeptical of onesies or whatever they're called. Not onesies. Rompers? Rompers. I've never been skeptical of yes, rompers. Yes, you were. No, I have not. This is spoken by a, a woman who owns a romper. I own a romper. And finds it comfortable. Yeah. I, I've, I've never been skeptical okay. of them. I mean, I think that they can be very poorly... I think they can often look very sloppy if they're the wrong romper right. for the wrong woman. True. You know? Um, or the wrong man, for that matter. Oh, yeah, because that's a thing. That's a thing. So there's the... What do we have this year? We have the peekaboo um So the sleeves, all kinds of like very weird sleeve situations. The way that it's being marketed most frequently is the cold shoulder. Cold shoulder. Yeah, which just means that it, you've like scissored out just the shoulder part to your shirt. Cause you, the rest of you was fine, but like your shoulders were like mad sweaty. Really yeah. Um, I think there are times in which it can work, but then there's a lot of things where it'll be like, it looks like it's just a top, like a top, like a sleeveless top and then sleeves. And then they're just attached by like a thread on, yeah. in the armpit area. And that's really terrible too. Um, a lot of puff sleeves I'm seeing. Oh, I haven't noticed puff um, sleeves. Like I've noticed dramatic sleeves. What do you mean by puff sleeve? Like yeah, like like puffed and gathered. Oh, or like, oh, those yes. Or kind of like drape, just like big dramatic sleeves. Yeah, so sleeves are really a thing. Having a moment, um, you know, uh, the past few years we've been guys and girls alike when it comes to wearing pants in the summertime. We've been cuffing them higher and higher, but I think we've come to a point where we have reached peak them peak cuff too cuffness. high. <laughs> And at first I thought it was just like one or two people, but now it seems to spread and everyone is cuffing it all the way up to like mid mid calf. So it's like a pedal pusher. Or oh, a, a pedal pusher. Yeah. It's like a gidget kind of thing. I don't I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I think it's too high. Mm-hmm. And then there are a lot of sock things that go on. 
in general. Really, I feel like, like a no isn't uh, wouldn't I would think a no sock situation. Would be um, like but some people do a high sock. Oh, but oh, not a sock like that newsies. goes all the way. <laughs> <laughs> not a sock that goes all the way to the to the pant. So there's still some flesh. There's like a lot oh. of mm. it really chops you up in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't know that that seems flattering in any way to, to anyone. You're saying this is on men and women. You've seen this. I mean, I've noticed it men. on men. Yeah, mostly on. Men. I mean, I haven't seen the sock thing, but definitely the pants. The and we live in Brooklyn, and so it's kind of hard to, to tell trends sometimes because sometimes people just are fucking like out to lunch, just yeah. wearing whatever. Well, I, at first I thought that the cuffed thing was that p- the people were riding their bikes. You know, you know I how, thought that too. Yeah, but then it was on both sides, and I was it was it, its whole thing. Um, there are what else? What else there are oh, the um, mom jeans that's still that's still happening and the overalls overalls okay so um i have to say my roommate got yes. some overalls that i love she looks great in them she looks great in them i mean they're very much i think uniquely great on her i think if i wore them i would look like really unfortunate <laughs> i couldn't even you, think of i couldn't even think of a way to describe how unfortunate i would why look why do you say that pizza. Because um, I am a more, you know, curves and swerves kind of lady. <laughs> are you pear-shaped? Are you apple? What are the I'm, shapes? I don't know. I, that seems like, a, you know what? To me, the pear and apple-shaped things is, is like, it's, it's a very mom concept to me. It's like the same way where you're like, what's your, what's your colors? Are you a winter color oh, palette? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you'd get, the, you'd get your colors done at like... Dillard's or whatever like I don't know that to me is like a very dated concept although I guess I would say I, I'm I'm neither because I'm I'm I don't mean this in a self-congratulatory way but I'm an hourglass shape right it's which is very difficult to dress in current trends because like you know everything flows away from everything flows away from the part of my body that's the thinnest. smallest and so I need things that are more wasp wasted and nipped in and tailored and stuff but that's really not the look right now well so. that's the goal for my next six months is to find a tailor oh to tailor my i think clothes. that's a good that's a great goal um because you can buy like just regular clothes off the rack affordable clothes and if you just pay you know 15 20 dollars on top of that to get a good and find a good tailor it looks better than if you were to spend you know an extra hundred dollars on oh, the totally. article clothing itself totally totally i mean it, which those aren't made to order either so even if you buy an expensive article of clothing chances right. are it might not fit right. you perfectly anyway right. oh the other thing that you know that i've been noticing a lot more this is a perpetual problem but you know how i have i, I don't have very many rules about colors for people i know a lot of people are very particular about what colors look good one, on them one, i only have one you have one i have one and that is don't wear your skin tone don't this wear your girl, skin tone let me tell you something about i'm really like you know, that's the main fashion rule. And she is disgusted by anyone who looks from afar like they are like a naked Barbie doll, Ken doll. Which is weird because, again... You love naked people. Yeah, we've alluded to this so many times now yes. at this point. But, <laughs> but like, maybe it's something about the cop-out, the fake-out of it, not, them not actually being naked. Right. I don't know. I just think it's, like, so unfortunate when I have to do a double take because it looks like you have no nipples because you're wearing a flesh-toned right. top. It's not that I'm shocked that you might not be wearing a top. It's that... That would be great. Right. 
I it, like I don't know. I just can't stand when people wear things that are that that are either exactly their skin tone or just like a shade or two off from their skin tone. That goes for shoes. I don't like nude heels. I don't like nude dresses. I don't you know. And nude, I mean, I use broadly because right. depending on you know, for me that would be brown. But I that's my one fashion thing, and I think. I think if you're a person who's who's like, oh, I can't, I'm I'm a redhead, I can't wear yellow or whatever. I think that's not true. I think you should go for the colors, but don't wear something that is like if you have a pink if you're like a pink skin white person, don't wear the pink that's like exactly your <laughs> skin tone. It's, it's I, I don't know. It's, I don't know why. It's that's one of my weird my weird irrational. No, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's not always flattering. It's never flattering. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, it's never flattering. Yeah, and speaking of which, I, I, I noticed that like on this like jotted down list of summer trends, I believe you put on here titties. I'm oh, curious yeah, yeah. to know what it is that you mean by that because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that a trend? It's a trend. Okay. It's a trend. Tell me about it. Um, I don't know what more there is to say. I just think everyone out there, just keep your eyes open. Like, just you know, your eyes open and your tits out. Yeah, tits are out. Oh, you just feel like they're out. They're on display. Yeah. Um, They're on display. One thing that I've noticed at the beach, because now I've been to the beach a couple times. A lot of topless women? No, no, no. Um, It's this weird swimsuit that's like super, that has like no sides on it. It's like a one piece, but it's like this shirt I'm wearing. It's like a muscle tee and it's cut all the way down. It provides no support so that you could just see the side boob freely and the boob is just hanging there. Yeah. It's not supported in any way. You like it or you don't? I hate it. It looks really sad. It makes me feel sad for that boob. Okay. I don't mind it. <laughs> I just, again, I just want it to be free. Well, or there's I want also it to that trend supported. with like the, the, the super 80s high cut uh, bottom. Yes. Oh, yeah. Where the leg holes. Yeah, no, it's like that Cindy Crawford look where the, the over leg, the hips. Mm-hmm, over the hips. You can see the crease where your leg yeah, and your Yeah, And you hips. don't like that. I don't like that. I think that is the. I mean, personally, I just think it's like not an attractive part to highlight. Okay. I mean, I think there's so many other beautiful parts of the body, and I think that 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 little crease is a weird place. So there again, I you disagree I, with me. I maybe I'm just being nostalgic um, about the the swimsuit yeah, calendars. Yeah, I remember of your watching youth. like you remember MTV Spring Break. I know you didn't have cable. I didn't. Well, but yeah, no. But I, all of us that had cable, MTV Spring Break <laughs> was a big thing where they went to it's Panama City. It's not like City, I lived in a cave. I know what MTV Spring Break is. Went to Cancun, <laughs> and it was just like sloppy twenty-something-year-olds mm-hmm. and like Ja Rule rapping on, <laughs> on a stage by the ocean. But in the early, early days when they were in Panama City, there was a lot of those those high-waisted things. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm being nostalgic. I think it's much better than low-slung stuff, like. A la like late nineties, like, like a boy short, like a uh, yeah. Oh, you mean low slung on the top, like low slung, um, like a like a low riding jean, a low riding jean. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Yeah, I would much prefer the high cut thing than like the low Britney Spears. Like, oh boy, that's like, like a real that's jean. a real choice. Yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah, coochie jean. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get like plumber's crack in the front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, those are two, two extreme responses i don't know i don't know but yeah i've seen some uh, basically the beach trends that i've noticed are very good on men men are of 
like gay, straight, pretty good. All of them I will are make, moving towards a more fitted. They more are short. Sh- at least shorter. Yeah, because you I know, I think the next thing to do is these dear designers make the leg holes smaller because they're still they're, They've shortened the length, but the circumference. But is the very circumference large. is still yeah. big, so they just need to bring yeah. it in. Like I mean, a, but like, like they, but short. like are I mean, good riddance to board shorts. Yes, may they never be seen again. Um, I'm really happy to see what men are wearing. Again, gay, straight, across the board at the beach right now. Women, I'm, I don't know, there's a lot of straps, a lot of holes, a lot of weird cutouts, a lot of straps in weird shapes, and a lot of, like, I think, I don't know, for me, an odd an odd side boob and an odd, like, you know, upper hip reveals. But you're feeling it, right. so, you know, that's what it is. Yeah, but then it, I think for me it goes back to the less material, the better. When you're at the beach. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think that's something we can all agree on. So. It kind of felt like a cult in the end, but it wasn't. My parents called it a cult, but it wasn't. It's just a group um, up in the Catskills. Um, it's a group. They just help you be your best self. <laughs> they take your bank account number and your social, but it's like no big deal. It's, it's like all among cult, friends. But one of the member, one of the members, one of the <laughs> one of the practitioners, <laughs> one of the people that I met over there did try to um, get me into a landmark type, like yes. culty kind of. I've thing. heard of I've heard of landmark. Yeah, it wasn't landmark, but I looked it up. And it that you know that it's like that it's cult like when you. When the person can't describe what it is, and you're like, so what is it? It's just, you know, you, we really like work on ourselves, and yeah, <laughs> and you know, you just let go of a lot, and you build, you know, and I'm like, but so do you go, is it a class? You're just like, you just, you go for it, you you're really there, go you deep, know, you really present. go deep in. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And then I look on the internet, and I can't find anything other than blah, 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 cult. You know, and then yeah. people start talking about how my sister was in this and stopped talking to me, and and you know, was paying thousands and thousands of dollars. Were you at, were you at first seduced though? You were like, yeah, let's do no, this. No, I was terrified because oh. oh. he was he came on so strong. I was mm. like, anyone who's coming on so strong for me to join anything is like, I don't trust you unless it sounds really cool. Like, <laughs> hey, let's go. Like, unless they're drugs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. We want to do some mushrooms or like, or like, like hey, let's jump on this waterfall like okay like I'll do that but yeah anyway (laughs) the sweat lodge was more about climbing into preparing the lodge was a big part of it like going through all that like and the fire keepers were really cool but then climbing into this like very tight space um, with a bunch of men and women for like six rounds I think maybe five rounds and when you're in there I mean it's balls hot and there's some chanting going on that people know. There's some praying going on. Um, like, please let me survive this, yeah, dear God. <laughs> yeah. That's what, I, that's what my prayer would be. How are you in? How long? So there's like, I guess, five or six rounds. I can't remember. And in bet- and I think maybe they're like 20 minutes each or something like that. You get to go out in between them if you want to. But some of the hardcore ones stay in. Um, and then, yeah, you know, there's some tears shed. There was the first time. Did you feel like catharsis? Did you feel like... I mean, with all that sweat, then you can't... It's kind of hard to not have an existential, like, or, like, this... Yeah. No, I've actually heard that, though. Like, I've heard uh, other people who have, like, actually, like, felt like 
they had a spirit quest in Azorlodge. Yeah, but then then it's over, and then you kind of look around, and you're with a bunch of, like, sweaty hippies, naked people. Sweaty, like, hippie-adjacent, like, but just not, for me, didn't feel genuine connection with them, yet everybody wanted to do the whole, like, we're all nature and everything's good, and I just was like, I don't buy it, like... I had a crush on the guy who, like, invited oh, me there. Oh, that's why I was there. And he was really cool when he was at the lodge. You know, he was doing all the stuff and, you know, leading. and and But, you know, he didn't... That's the only reason. Being all spiritually <laughs> sexy and <Exactly>. stuff. <laughs> yeah, sensitive. And, yeah. So, I tried twice and, uh, and gave it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you ever want to go, we can go. Where is it? Where is it? it? Just up in the Catskills. Oh, it's just camping. I was like, I was like thinking that this is like in a yurt in Malaysia, and your no, world travels no, no. or something. It's just a short drive. We have to get. You're Martha, and we're the Vandellas. Oh yeah. I don't know what that is. Or you're Gladys Knight and we're the Pips. Oh, okay. Or Or you're Diana Ross and we're the other Yeah, the other two. two. <laughs> you today you are our Diana Ross. Okay. Um, yes. so welcome. This is Amber. And generally in my by life. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have um on the podcast Amber. Um who we've known for a number of years now at this point. Yeah. I believe I thinking back met you around 2012 so about five years ago Mm -hmm. Uh, because this must have been around the time that um, if we think back our friend Nikki had a little sort of uh, concert salon multi-day multidisciplinary event and I believe that that might have been the first time that we met um, as far as I can remember. Amber was performing an excerpt from her excellent one woman show. And we just sang two we shitty songs. We cobbled together <laughs> some shit ass songs that we wrote. I do not. 36 hours before the yeah. show time. Yeah. <laughs> I do not remember them being shit at all. I remember well. them being lovely and being so impressed with your voice. Oh, well, that's so nice. Yeah. Um, that's also thing. a testament to your <laughs> generosity of spirit. <laughs> but. I will, I will accept the compliment and move on. <laughs> you, <clears throat> for years, you worked at Canadian Embassy? Consulate. Consulate. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is the same thing. Is it the same? It's the yeah. same thing, The right? embassy is located in the capital of the country, so the embassy is in Washington, and there are consulates in other cities. And the consulates are like cities. satellite offices. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm nodding knowingly, and I just you are. Have you, 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 you were really nodding at me like, like, I'm like, like, like I'm like the idiot in the room, like, oh. and like she's explaining it, and you're just like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. no, what's happening? Yeah, no, yeah. but I actually just learned that just now. So, <laughs> so uh, that was my smug face. By the way. <laughs> Good. So Not I guess my point. question is, what uh, what got you interested in this to begin with? Counseling. This, yeah, counseling. I just wanted to be an extra ally for kids who typically go under the radar that's my thing because the ones that are like getting in trouble and getting in fights and clearly failing we look at those and the ones who are excelling we look at those and the ones who are just kind of like floating and all right nobody has time to look at those right yeah but i want to talk to those kids Mm -hmm. because i think that's the kind of kid that i was and people didn't realize that i was struggling because i was passing right 
You like were... and but not yeah passing grades but just like passing for being well adjusted <laughs> yeah you know totally totally or have that sort of personality type where you you're like don't notice me nobody notice yeah, me yeah i, or, I feel like, like that was kind of my my mo in high school really? too like yeah yeah nobody noticed me <laughs> i didn't mind being noticed because i was like yeah i want to be in the play and like mm-hmm. but i didn't want anyone to notice that i was scared or right. not able to right. do something you know that I didn't have my shit together. Yeah. And so that's when you talked to me the other night about how you always see me as like this, or I don't know, you can describe how it was, but people have before told me that they see me as like super put together, like she must be really organized, like she's really badass or whatever, she's got it. And I'm like, that's hilarious because inside I'm usually like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah. so yeah, so that's kind of, I want to talk to those kids. Mm-hmm. But my parents thought I was getting a degree in psychology until I, my graduation. Like, <laughs> like you were literally like giving the speech at your commencement, and they were like, "Oh." They had to ask like several times, "Masters of what? What is it?" It's like we've been telling everyone psychology. It's like, well, whatever. It's close enough. Close enough. Yeah. Both of those things. Yeah. Close. But yeah, that was um, that was a cool move. I guess it was a crazy move to apply to grad school, and then when I got in. I got in to the January session and they I found out about that in April or May. So I didn't have to like decide to go to school and start prepping for school for the fall. I had this whole what like, 8 months? Yeah, 8 months to figure to kind of prep for that and in that time period that's when I went traveling. I like I left my job for 4 months and I went traveling and I didn't even really know when I set off traveling. <clears throat> Excuse me that I would even go to school. I was thinking I, I would you know, figure that there out. There was like some part of me that thought you might go off on that trip for four months and just like not come back to New York. Yeah. You're like, oh, I actually like got a job in Thailand <laughs> and yeah. peace guys, come I, visit. I got a work visa for New Zealand before I left. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that yeah. detail. I thought that maybe I was going to stay in New like Zealand Like you were literally going to travel around the world and then just stay on the other side. New Zealand was kind of my final destination because I had a friend there and I'd been there twice before to visit her and I thought you know what I can I'm, I was still under 35 and so you can still get Ooh, I just aged myself <laughs> uh, but that you can uh, get a visa like an open work visa for a year so I was like I'll just get that and maybe I'll you know meet someone or you know maybe I'll find this cool life in New Zealand and not come back I had no that's know. like such a crazy spirit of adventure <laughs> that like so you were gone for four months four months yeah and you traveled where so I started in the east coast of Canada, Nova Scotia, went to... Because you're from Canada. Yes, from Canada. Okay. Yeah, yes. From I put Canada. that in quotes because yeah. I'm not, you know... <laughs> yeah, but they couldn't see the quotes. <laughs> 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 I love it. Um, yeah, so, but I went to school in, in this small town in Nova Scotia called Wolfville, Nova Scotia. So I went um, to Halifax, which is an hour outside of that town, and stayed with my friend. Halifax is awesome, by the way. It I've actually been awesome. there. It's really... It was really fun. I went on vacation to Halifax, which is kind of weird. Not weird. It's awesome and beautiful and cool. It Did is. Did you go in the summer or the spring? Um, it was in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just never go in the winter. Yeah. Just don't ever <laughs> go. <'cause> <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful place in Maritimes, but not in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, seafood. Anyway, sorry. What little seafood. <laughs> I interrupted you. <laughs> anyway, then I, so we, uh, then I went to London um, from there, and then uh, the Netherlands, a couple places in the Netherlands, and uh, Portugal, then uh, Rome and Bahrain to visit my brother, uh, Sri Lanka, um, Vietnam, Australia, New Zealand, 
Wow. And then I decided to come back here for two weeks, but I wasn't done. Um, I came back for two weeks and then I went to Bolivia, Peru, and Colombia. Wow. This is really a... Involved trip. Yeah, but it was in that time in New Zealand that not only did I realize that I was there for three weeks, I realized that I didn't want to stay in New Zealand, and that as beautiful as the mountain view, like with the alpaca, like that were basically my pets where I was staying, (laughs) and my new best friends, my only friends, and you know just all the beauty that is New Zealand that I missed like lights and architecture like man-made architecture and straight lines and things and around right at that time I got an email from Hunter saying hey there's a orientation you know for December 6th scheduled this was like November 30th I got it and I was like oh yeah that degree that I'm supposed (laughs) to start in January I was like all right I'm gonna leave here and go back to New York to attend this orientation, <laughs> and uh, but it didn't again didn't start till the end of January, so I just came back for two weeks, did the orientation, and then I was like, I'm gonna continue back to the un- another continent. <laughs> yeah, but that was totally that's when I decided to go back to take the program and to do. It. Well, do you, uh, we don't have to return to the question that we were we were talking oh, about, but we, talking? we were talking about the thing that the same thing that drew you to acting versus that drew you to counseling mm-hmm. um, I think there's something about empathy there there's something about finding wanting to know what makes other people tick and wanting to understand other people's point of view and like just kind of climbing into someone else's skin for a little while I think those are the huh. same qualities but absolutely n- no do I never bring any acting training or like any of my acting stuff in consciously into counseling sessions because I kind of hate all that stuff <laughs> and acting for me is has always just kind of felt like having a conversation with someone um, which is why I didn't go very far because you need to like train <laughs> and like really kind of go for it I think and I was more like can we just like let's yeah, just you know yeah. let's just like connect just yeah and then it's like Not well, you need to actually get anything. the dialect like or you need to like learn you know <laughs> like do some research about your character I'm like do I <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so <laughs> <laughs> so what? So for the past few months, is that you've been in, interning? Interning? Yeah, I'm finished now. But yeah, for the past year, I mean, I quit my job it was in September. Year. Yeah, it was, it was a school year. Oh, it was a school? Okay. Yeah. So a school year in here in New York. And then a few months ago, you got, I guess a few months ago now, you've gotten a job offer mm-hmm. to where? To work as a school counselor yep, yep. at the International School of Ouagadougou. So yeah, I couldn't pronounce it. Which is why uh, I had to lead the you best. There. Okay, that's like my favorite city name. It's so fun to say. It's pretty fun to say and spell. Mm-hmm. It has like all the vowels. It has like all the ten vowels. times. Wagadugu yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in Burkina Faso. Yes. You done did it. Look at your Thank face. You. <laughs> so where the hell is it? It's in West Africa. So it's a landlocked country in West Africa. So there's some countries on the coast that you might have heard of like Senegal a little further down is Ghana Togo Benin and I'm right above those countries landlocked landlocked okay. yeah it's a quite a large country compared to like a the um, Togo and Benin but um yeah I will it has be. a lower profile for some reason in the 
I don't know. Not why. many people have heard of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wonder why. I mean, maybe there's not. It's not got any crazy tourist destinations. I was going to say that maybe there aren't musicians from there because I feel like I can name a musician from all those other places. But you can name a musician. You know, people from like Molly, right? Molly, and that's right yeah. next door. And so you, probably some people that you might think are from Molly might even be from there. Mm. Um, okay, so it's an English medium school, but like, what's the actual? Is the lang- is is it English medium in this country? Is it's, it a, or is it French speaking or the official language is French? Okay, yeah, and then they have a local dialects that they speak. Moore is one. It's spelled M O O R E, um, which I've been uh, connected with a friend who knows how to speak some of that. Awesome. So I wanna. She said she would teach me. She said it's a good thing to know. You know, like French is good, but like if you know a couple of those Do words, you speak that's French? even better. No. I'm learning. But like once you speak like more, people can be like, "Oh, this bitch That's, can hang." Yeah, no. <laughs> totally. Just like one or two words, like beer. Beer is really big there, apparently. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so French is. I've been practicing. I have a little app practicing with French. So what are you gonna miss? I mean, I know there are a lot of things you could probably list. People, yeah. Um, yeah. Including people, whatever. Because <laughs> 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 <about people. laughs> right, I was like, "What food are you gonna?" Need? <laughs> What? I think I'm what? gonna yeah I like things like bridges like the bridges like the the top like the, oh, the magnitude answer I was oh. gonna be like Oreos I know <laughs> there should be some version of an Oreo there some sort of chocolate sandwich <laughs> cookie um, that's the way to look on the bright side yeah no things like that I think like the magnitude of the city because where I'm going is well you were talking about the, like when you were in New Zealand like the absence of lines and grids and skyscrapers and things or yeah. whatever, like that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely heading out into more of that. But it is a city, and, you know, it's a busy city. You know, New Zealand, there was, like, I mean, I was in this, like, a farm town. With, like, oh, okay, okay. You know, okay. like, three people. It was two. Oh, I was thinking you were, like, in a, the capital or something. Mm-hmm. Like no, I was Which like, is? in the mountains. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait. Do you want to take a guess? Um, Auckland. Auckland is a major city, but isn't... I think it's... Um, I was going to say Auckland, too, but is it... Victor- Victoria? Victoria. I, I think it's Wellington. Wellington! Wellington. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh it, it might be Wellington, because I watched The House Hunters in Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> Solved. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where our education fails us, <laughs> HGTV <laughs> provides. <laughs> wow. Anyway, yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm also going to miss um, getting lost, like being able to lo- be lost in a crowd. That's a really good one. Yeah. That's one thing that's I That's something I really, that really, really love about being here is like feeling. I mean, I'm very self-centered, and I always like to think that I'm the center of the universe, but to sometimes go to somewhere where, like, to be in a a space where I'm like, oh, actually, everybody has their own shit going on, and it's not just me and Totally. This is the best city for that, Mm -hmm. you know? It can also be the reason why it can be so lonely and isolating. So it's, it's, you know, the... I'm really loving New York hard right now, but I went through a period where I was kind of simultaneously loving and hating it. Like, the same things that I was loving about it, I was also like, fuck. <laughs> so, yeah. But now... I think I'm that's, just, like, a, the reality of existence for most yeah. people. Yeah. It's really a hard city. But that's the thing. If you When you make... You, you finish a day here, and you, d- you did another day in New York. It's not easy, and not everybody can do it. 
It's like, you achieved the day. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I know hard, you know, living is hard. You know, we have it. We're in a, this bubble where we're sure. like, recording a podcast, yeah. an IPA. <laughs> very fine. <laughs> Everything's very fine, but it's all relative, I suppose. I wish we could have like a pop cork sound just then. Like, <laughs> life is hard, darling. <laughs> Champagne. <laughs> And ultimately, I just thought that if I say no, I'm going to regret it. I'm going to regret not going. And that has been my mojo for my entire life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like that's the theme. Yeah. It's like... It's like, yeah, gui- a guiding principle. Will mm-hmm. I regret this? Will mm-hmm. I gr- regret saying no? Yeah. Or like, just to, it's hard to say no to adventure. Like, when I was 16, I was living in Ottawa, and we had been there for two years... And I think you might, maybe I wrote about this before, maybe you like kind of know this story, but like I rem- my parents said that I would finish high school there. And at that time um, in Ontario, there were five years of high school. There was a grade 13. Um, so I arrived Ugh, in... That's yeah, horrible. Yes, yeah, totally, right? <laughs> but, so I arrived in grade 10, so I thought I'd be there for four years. So I do 10, 11, 12, 13, awesome, and then go to college, um, university in Canada. Mm-hmm. That's a college. Um, and then, but then two years later, after in midway through grade 11, my parents were like, no, we've been posted to Sri Lanka. So we're out for reasons. It's like, okay, so you lied to me. (laughs) 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 But also like, fuck, you know? So I considered and applied to and got into a couple boarding schools in the area in Ottawa thinking like, I don't want to leave. Like I'm Canadian. I just kind of got here. This is cool. I like stuff. I have friends here. Um, and in the end, I just, the phrase I kind of said to myself was like, who gets to go to Sri Lanka? Like, mm-hmm. no one. So I ha- I'm going to go to do that, you know? Which is a very, like, prescient thing for a 16-year-old to, to know, but yes. and kind of incredible that's remained a, a principle. Because, yeah. like, that was going to be my question is, like, I, you know, <clears throat> have often thought about moving and just moving away from New York and and like even just like moving away from New York it's like oh my god it seems so daunting it seems so terrifying and I was thinking that maybe like your background of having moved around a lot like gives you a little bit less of a like I don't know tethering to to a certain place and feeling like that there's something there's a permanence to it or or like something you know what I mean like um but 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 it seems like maybe more the answer is just that it's like Adventure. Always scary. <laughs> yeah, well, that it's always scary for no, no matter how much you moved around, but that, but it's, but it's more just like uh, saying yes to a to a, something. Yeah, like an adventure. I try to go. I learned this from like a you know Ayurvedic like meditation guy. He was like, go. <laughs> Did you have a crush on him too? He, he was very cute. Yeah, <laughs> super cute from Australia. Yeah, really cute. Um, but he said, what did he say exactly? It was like, follow what's charming. It was like, do things, do things that are charming. And that is me. Like, I just like follow what feels good. And so that's also how I've stayed in New York for 11 years after never living anywhere for more than four years. Yeah, I was going to say the longest time you've ever been in any city. Yeah, like by way more than double. Like, and it's because it charmed me, (laughs) you know? So that's kind of, it is hard to leave because that's, that charm is still there. And this is, it's interesting to have, it does feel like I'm 16 again because I feel like I've got this like, but there's this, there's New York, you know, and then there's this other adventure and how do I, you know. Well, you can always return. Yes. You know that. Yes. Uh, How long is this contract? Is this just a year long commitment? Two years. Two year commitment. 
Wow. And when's the when are you moving? Uh, my flight's August third out of Toronto. All right. So I gotta leave New York sometime, sometime between now and August third. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is like? I mean, knowing that you can come back anytime to visit or live in New York. So what's your like game plan for between now and like the next whatever month? You mean like here in New York? Like yeah. Like what I'm, do you? How are you? How are you burning that time? I have been having the time of my life, like <laughs> the absolute <laughs> time of my life since like. I mean, the end of May when I graduated, you know, I bought myself an unlimited yoga pass for this Kundalini yoga place in Union Square for the month of June. So I went there like every day almost. I fell in love in the last like couple of months. Do you not know this? You're looking at uh, me shocked. Love with a person? Yes, with a (laughs) person. With a gentleman. Yeah. Is this this who I met um, maybe last week? Yep. Oh, he's very cute. He sure is. <laughs> I mean, well, say that for the record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and again, he seemed very nice. If, too. if there needs but. to be anything that's that's redacted, <laughs> we can certainly do that. But um, that's I mean that's crazy because it's like the last moment that you're really thinking about that or yeah, actively looking for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. like absolutely not. It was just like, here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it, but it's been so great because he's always known that i've been leaving so that i was going to leave so there i didn't so that's always been on the table been on the table so it's like we have the time we have now so talk about i mean staying present like i just not just because of that but like i have been in the mindset of like i just have this i have this right now and then like you know i'm moving so this has been great for a relationship to stay so present and to just enjoy every moment that we have together it's fantastic (sighs) so sweet I know it's really really good I just like I just feel like you're just like dropping some major life philosophies too so the the Amber God freeways take the risks and um, and also follow uh, the charm and and live every moment like you're leaving New York in six weeks (laughs) well Amber thank you so much for being here thank you and um, we will follow you online in the digital space to see what Africa looks like for you (laughs) (laughs) what it looks like in general because we don't know where anything is or what the capital of anything is slash come visit yes we might have to do a follow-up podcast on the road